Hey there, friends, and welcome back to Grounded in the Middle. I'm your host, Danielle Folk, and I am so glad that you are here with me today. Want to become rooted in living your best life? Well, hop in the car, lace up those shoes, start that load of laundry, do whatever it is you need to do, and get ready for a quick trip into the country where I'm going to share stories of homesteading life and restoration. Together, we're going to dig into topics that will lead you to reflect, rethink, and become more rooted in who you are today. And just know, I am absolutely thrilled you decided to hit play and join me here today on Grounded in the Middle. Hey friends, will you do me a favor? After listening in to today's episode, will you give it a quick review? By doing so, you will be helping this podcast reach other listeners just like you. And don't forget, join me on Instagram at Farmhouse Storyteller and subscribe to the Farmhouse Storyteller Journal at farmhousestoryteller.com. This is where you're going to get emails of recipes and other fun adventures here out in the middle. Friends, I tell you what, it has been a week since I chatted with you all last and wouldn't you know, our temperatures went from being in the 90s with extreme humidity. Okay, in my opinion, it was extreme humidity. Like when you walk out, like I said, and you can just like feel it. You just are soaked. Um, But we went from that to mornings now that are 60 degrees. We've had some that was like in the 50s where we have just flung open the windows and let that breeze come in. And it has been absolutely such a welcomed gift after having those hot temperatures. So with nicer temperatures come wanting to be outside more. And while, of course, we've been tending to the garden regardless of the temperatures, it has really made going up there so much more pleasant. Aaron had to run the tiller through after we had a week's worth of rain and our tiller is still on the fritz and he has replaced the motor with another motor we had here on another piece of equipment and it's still having some issues that he needs to address. So we ended up borrowing our good friend slash family tiller and it made such a huge difference for us and was quicker and less laborious. (laughs) So our tomatoes, though, have come in and they're turning red and they are absolutely delicious. It's like the best thing. You've waited all this time after planning and you finally get to taste it. And it's just so good. I'm sure you can relate to eating, if you like them, you know, that big beefsteak tomato with salt and pepper. Or maybe you like it with cottage cheese or maybe even a little farm dust, which if you haven't tried farm dust, head to my website, farmhousestoryteller.com and snag that recipe because you're going to love having it on the shelf. It's great on, people say, I've not tried this, but they say it's great on popcorn. It's just a mixture of like dried basil, onion powder, salt, um, and some other things that you'll, you'll really enjoy. But I've been marinating our pork chops, our chicken, Um, anything like vegetables from the garden, I'll run through the garden at night and grab whatever vegetables are up there for dinner. And they have been delish. You can also use it, um, in sour cream, or if you want to make it healthier, Greek yogurt, mix it in to make a veggie dip. So snag that as I'm thinking of it off of the website, because you'll really like that. So anyways, the garden has been great farm stand. I've actually had things to put out 
I spent last week a whole day of cutting up onions and zucchini. So my good friend told me that I should take the onions, at least some of them, and put them in cupcake tins and holders. And you can do this too. If you see that like onions are on sale, grab a whole bunch, then you're going to dice them all up. I put them in the food processor because it was super quick and my eyes did not water. And what you do is take out a cupcake tin holder and you just drop in, fill up those cupcake holders, and then you put them in the freezer for like an hour. You could do two hours if you want to make sure they kind of hold their shape. And then just pop them in a, a Ziploc size gallon bag, freezer bag. And then you have it ready to throw into your um, your skillet, you know, when you're busy during the week. Or you can throw it into your chilies and, uh, you know, in your crock pot. And you're ready to go. So zucchini, I did the same thing. I made some for zucchini bread. So I had to grate it all. I grated it. I had to squeeze out all the juice and then I froze bags of that. That way I can just grab what I need to make zucchini bread this fall. And again, you can do it too. If zucchinis are on sale, grab them from the store. You can grate them just, or you can chop them up. And what you'll do is throw them on a sheet pan, like a baking pan in a single layer, and then just kind of dab them with a paper towel to get that excess water out and set them in the frit or the freezer for an hour or two. And this allows them to not then stick to each other inside the bag. Um, but anyways, so that's what I did last week. I prepared a whole, I think I have like 10 bags of zucchinis and then I've got, I don't know, maybe three bags of onions. And I just keep thinking that, you know, as we kind of slow down with eating things or as things start to kind of finish up with the garden. If I've got stuff that's getting ready to go bad, I'm just chopping it up and freezing it. So you should do the same. If you have time or a pepper starting to look a little old, don't waste it. That's one thing I have learned, you know, since COVID was just being really mindful of not letting things go to waste, finding ways to reuse it, um, just making sure that it's just, we're not being wasteful. So Anyway, so that's what's kind of new out here, but what I want to talk to you about today, I think it's kind of fun. Now, you know, they always say, you know, we'll laugh about this someday. Well, I'm at that point where I think I can laugh five years later after moving in here to our 185-year-old house, and if you're not familiar, it was built, well, it was completed in 1837, and John and Sarah Weir actually had uh, purchased this land in 1819. And from what I have learned, it usually takes about 10 years to build a home like ours. If you're familiar with home styles, this farmhouse is brick. It's federal in style. But what I have learned that while some people would look at it and say it's a federal farmhouse, it's actually a Pennsylvania style home because it's actually really simple inside. We do not have a main staircase when you walk in the front door. We actually have a staircase that is curved. They call them Pennsylvania winders. It's curved and it's in the corner of our living room. But what also is unique about our home is we have two front doors. So on the left-hand side, it goes into what was the parlor. That would have been like your fancy room. 
for visitors and guests and such. And then on the right hand side, that goes into our living room and that would have been a common space as well. But I'm not here to talk about the house today. However, if you are interested in kind of knowing the history, I have thought about maybe doing two or three podcasts about the history because it's really quite interesting if you're into that. Um, I will kind of tell you that it once was a tavern, a very prominent tavern for hog drivers. And it was also said to have been a stop on the Underground Railroad. And I've done quite a bit of research and I am still, I have a friend that I've never met before, but he still is sending me emails. We're still working on trying to figure this out. And I'm hoping here while the kids are in school to get back into that research because it's not done yet. But what I have is very interesting. It's uncovered that our, I've kind of uncovered that our town was this very quiet but abolitionist town. And so if you're into that, send me a message or write me an email because I would love to know if that interests you. But what I want to talk to you about today is, you know, situations where maybe you have found yourself facing a situation knowing you've got to go into it, right? And it's not a situation you want to be in or that you have to tackle, but but you have to do it. And I also want to talk about how sometimes we are surprised by situations and we have to quickly react. And this farmhouse is kind of like both of those together. We, when we bought it, we knew looking at it of the things that definitely needed to be taken care of here. But then of course, along the way, we were surprised by situations that uh, we had to quickly react to, right? And I don't know about you, but I think so many times in our lives, we find ourselves in situations where we have to make quick decisions and you only hope that you're making the right ones. And, and so I'm going to share with you kind of like the bloopers here at the farmhouse and experiences today of, of kind of what it's been like since we moved in. But I want to start with you when we first moved in. We unexpectedly woke up the, it was the first morning that we woke. And at the time, our farmhouse had thick plastic in all the windows and they were all stapled, this thick plastic was. And I remember that we peeled those down so we could see inches of snow outside of our window. And it was absolutely gorgeous. And while it had been a really, it was a fine moving moving day, it had been a very wet moving day and I really can't complain because it, it could be a it can always be worse is what I always tell myself and so we ended up just getting settled in late but we woke up to this beautiful snow and it was inches deep and I still remember vividly looking out the floor to ceiling windows they just stretched it seemed like that that morning, the window seemed so huge uh, to me, but there were there was all this snow and it was just gorgeous. And I was still exhausted, and the house still felt it felt a little strange waking up. It was almost like, okay, we made it here, and then it was I was a little uncomfortable, and it felt right, but it also felt very uncomfortable. And so anyways, I walked into the kitchen and wouldn't you know, there was our first surprise. 
a puddle of water on the kitchen floor. After investigating, Aaron did. It was something that needed to be addressed. And while we did not intend, I mean, there was a lot of things we knew we were going to have to work on. The kitchen was one area that it was fine. We figured we would make do with, you know, what was there. But with this water coming through, Aaron had to go ahead and tear out cabinets. There was rot. And so we had to do a complete kitchen gut. And that entailed all the way down to the floor, the subfloor. And so here it is. We're out in the middle of nowhere. You know, we've got three kids, one that's 11 months. The others, you know, are five years old. We have two restaurants that are in town, pizza and then the tavern. And we didn't plan for this, but we were going to be eating out for the next month. And, you know, another thing too is we hadn't planned on spending money, that amount of money on a kitchen. And it's still a temporary fix for us. This wasn't a kitchen. This had to be, you know, not a well-planned because we had to move so quickly and throwing this together so we could address other things. This was buy the cabinets, buy a countertop, let's find a sink and get this taken care of and back to where, you know, we originally thought we were only going, you know, we were going to address this later. And so um, that's why our kitchen still is kind of quirky. Yes, it's been updated, but it has its quirks because, you know, you, you do what you have to do with what you have. And, and so that's kind of that, but you know, that's a surprise situation. And, you know, we have found ourselves in other surprise situations, such as taking a shower, turning on the water after you're like, you're filthy and you're dirty. Right. And you're looking forward to feeling clean and you get in and the water is ice cold. And this is something that happened not too long after the kitchen. And I had Aaron go down and check the water heater and wouldn't you know, so we've got this narrow staircase that goes downstairs to the basement and wouldn't you know, the water heater is just pumping water out over top of the water heater and the water heater was another eyesore, I guess you could say, go figure. It was wrapped in insulation and it had silver duct tape just around it and around it and around it and it was the craziest looking thing back to the story of this hold please and again something that we didn't plan for are we surprised no we totally realize we bought a house as is but it was just like really so Aaron I have this really funny video of him dealing with it and in the video he's like Danielle really you've got to turn that off but um he ended up having to take it out and our friends helped us get a new water heater. And the thing about it is, is we had to buy one that would fit down those skinny basement stairs because wouldn't you know, the back basement door had been like layered up in front of it. It had been layered up with lots of shingles and wooden boards and all these things. And so since it snowed, there was no digging out in order to get a bigger water heater in for our family. So now we take showers and it's everyone when there's many people who need to shower, it's who gets to go first and making sure that they are in and out because otherwise you run out of hot water. So, you know, another thing that you're not expecting, um, you just do the best you can with what you have, right? And I think that whether you're an old house owner or not, 
we find ourselves there in this life. And our life is kind of like a marathon, but those situations are our sprints. And we find ourselves having to work really, really, really hard at something, or we've got to solve a problem. And it builds our character. It builds who we are, you know, for that marathon that we are running. It's going to help us endure the things that come along. And while, you know, for us, this is house experiences, it's one area of our life where it builds our character. And I have to say, earlier in my life, I have caught a mouse before with a paper bowl. And that skill from back then, when I was a kid, has unfortunately (laughs) came in handy here at the homestead with catching a salamander. Now, let me set this up for you. Just a couple weeks ago, Caroline, I hear screaming upstairs. Now, Caroline does not scream. And we had just put all the kids down and Aaron was nowhere to be found because I'd gone out to put the chickens away. So I come into the house, I go up those winder stairs and I, I get stopped in the hallway by Aaron. And I look at the floor and he says, the cat's got a mouse. And so we stand there. The mouse is loose, but the cat goes and catches him and takes him to the basement. Well, you better believe Caroline won. She got settled down. We told her to go to bed. Aaron and I followed the cat down to the basement. And sure enough, he was having a good old time with this mouse. And then, wouldn't you know, he came up a little bit later and he took it back up to the hallway, I guess, to leave for Caroline. And so Aaron took care of that situation. And thank you, Blizzard. He's earning his keep around the farmhouse. But the, the next time, though, it was a salamander. There is screaming again. And I run upstairs and Caroline says, there's a lizard. There's a lizard. And I said, okay, before I come in here, I'm going to go get, I was going to go get a bowl. But I ended up finding a paper cup. And so in that moment, I know what's coming. I have to react quickly, right? Because I don't want to lose this thing. And I grab the, the paper cup and I run upstairs and from my previous experience of catching a mouse with bowl, I'm like trying to shimmy this thing around and, and like trap it, but then like push a piece of paper underneath of it, you know, type of deal, kind of like hop it in there. Wouldn't you know the cat brought this thing into her room and would you know it was minus a tail? Mm-hmm. And it was big. Now, I'm not talking like as big as your hand. It was a little smaller, but it's so like, like slimy looking, but it could fit underneath her bookshelf. And there had to have only been like a quarter inch underneath this bookshelf. And it, it kept going under there. Anyways, so it was one of those moments where you find yourself like, okay, I need to react quickly. I need to get this thing out of the house. It's disgusting. Like, And again, this was just shortly after the mouse. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what is with the creepy crawlies that are in the house? Well, it wasn't going to be the last time. And we've never had anything like this <laughs> before. But I was cleaning. We were having, um, I was having our women's society out to our house. And the kiddos were helping me clean. And... I just so happened to pass through our dining room into the living room. And I took a step back into the dining room. And I turned and looked to my right. 
and there's this old 1800s hutch that sits there. Well, behind it is my rolled up maps from the Underground Railroad research I was doing on our house. I keep them there because I need to put them on the dining room table when I actually do the research. So I tuck them away there. Well, wouldn't you know, I said to Landon, I said, I hope that is a tumbleweed of some sort of hair. I said, and not a mouse. Why it caught my eye, I don't know. Maybe it had moved and it caught my eye, but I don't remember it happening that way. I just saw this kind of grayish thing on top of the papers. Wouldn't you know, it was another mouse. It was a baby. So we had to take care of that situation before it got loose because that's what I have learned. You may not want to deal with something, but you sure as heck is going to deal with it because you don't want it loose and not knowing where it is in your house. <laughs> and so that's kind of that's kind of the joys of farmhouse living. But I will say, even at our old house, our garage, it had mice in it and it was horrible. So old house, new house. Again, I think you probably could relate to some extent of little creepy critters that just find their way into your house and it's disgusting and weird and you have to like tackle those things. But let me share with you this. We had just got home from being out. Everyone went inside and it was in the fall and so it was already dark even though it was kind of early and I was the last one to get out of the car and I opened up my door, stepped out, and I hear this loud noise at me, and it's an animal. I looked in the direction of the noise, and I can't see anything. It's pitch black. I have no idea how close it is to me or how far away it is. And it keeps making this loud, snorting noise. And it's not one. It sounds like many. Nobody's around. It had just rained. I shut the van door and I have my keys in my hand and I start running to our back door. And wouldn't you know, they're still snorting at me. And so I don't know if I'm being chased. It's like a scene out of a horror movie. I don't know if I'm being chased, like if they're on my heels, whatever it was, because I had never, ever heard this noise before. And I just knew it was big and it was bigger than me. I ended up falling down in the wet grass and mud because, of course, you know, doing work around here, the yard just kind of gets muddy depending on the project. And I have dropped my keys in the yard. I can't see. And I am wet in the mud. And I am like just grasping at the ground, trying to get my traction. And I just am in fear that this scary thing is coming at me. All the while, I have peed my pants while I'm down there in the grass and mud and the wet. It was that scary to me. And I end up walking into the house and Aaron just kind of looks at me like, um, what happened out there? <laughs> and so my shoes were covered in mud. Obviously, my hands, my pants, obviously wet for a couple reasons. And we spent that evening on the couch. I told him this, the snorting, it was loud. Well, it turns out it was a deer and it must've been many deer because it was so loud and there was multiple sounds. And it's funny, just the other day I took rigs out and around the pond was 
a mama and her babies and she snorted at me and I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like, I know who you are. I know what that is. But it kind of triggered that memory of, oh my goodness, how, look how far we've come. You know, I learned something that day that it was the deer snorting at me and, um, and granted they, I guess they could have came after me, but, um, but yes, that was one of my experiences coming in. And so now, now I know what that is. And I don't have to be scared <laughs> of it. So, you know, we find ourselves kind of in these silly situations. Um, you know, here looking back, we kind of laugh at it. But, you know, no matter what the situation is, whether, you know, you're peeing your pants in your yard because you're you're scared and you don't, you're not aware of, you know, what something is, that lack of knowledge, right? Um, we, we end up even gaining knowledge from a silly situation like that. And so often I think we might find ourselves in situations where we have to do a sprint, whether it's chasing a salamander, catching a mouse, um, hopefully for you, it's not those situations because they're not really fun. Maybe you find yourself in a situation at work where, uh, um, something has come up and you need to dissolve it, that situation, or you need to tackle it and it's not planned for, and it really throws you in a tailspin. Maybe you find yourself in a relationship where things have gotten in a bit of a tailspin and all we can do is our best for one. And we react in ways that it is a choice if we want to tackle it with a really good attitude or if you want to, you know, why why is this happening to me? If you want to get angry about it, that can, you know, that can play into how you handle a situation. But I think most of the time you and I and everyone else around us, we go in to situations with our best intentions. It's never to be hurtful. It's never to be harmful. It, we're working with what we know and what we have experienced before to help us in those situations, those sprints in life. And sometimes those sprints turn out really great. It allows us to use skills in the past, such as my mouse catching experiences with a bowl. I was able to do that with a salamander. <laughs> but sometimes things go well, but then sometimes our sprints are, are lessons that really shape us and mold us. And, you know, we had gotten chickens back, I don't know, a few years ago now in the fall. And we had a friend who asked if we would like them. And so they were older birds. And of course we were super excited to take on the chickens and we had been wanting to do it anyways. And it worked out wonderful. And in that situation, we kind of took on the chickens kind of in reverse order. Typically, you get them, you know, as babies and you watch them grow and you raise them, right? <laughs> Birth to end. But we got them at the end. And so there were things that we hadn't experienced. I had never held a chicken before, really didn't have any experience at all with chickens before. And so we had these older chickens who eventually came down with, you know, some ailments. And wouldn't you know, <laughs> you do the best with what you know. We read a million chicken books. And I'll tell you what, uh, some of them, there are good chicken books out there, but there are not any chicken books 
that really get into what I feel like what we've experienced. And, and so you really are doing the best with what you can between books and the internet and what people advise. But we had, um, we had one that had its feet had issues. And so Aaron and I are out (laughs) with these chickens who I've never held before. (laughs) And we are soaking feet in water and we're drying them with a blow dryer. Then we're throwing on this really thick, it's like, um, it's called bag balm. It's like a Vaseline, really, really thick. Good. Like we're coating these chicken feet, you know, and it all smells, (laughs) um, you know, and, you do the best you can with what you know, and you give it your all. And I think most of us in life try and give all of ourselves, you know, our best. And sometimes it works out great and sometimes it doesn't. I have to say we did help the one chicken and we had a couple who had come down sick after that. But living in the country kind of builds you up in ways that you don't, you don't expect. And they're uncomfortable. And, you know, with chickens come them passing and you have to do what's fair. I've learned that it is not fair to just let an animal suffer. I mean, I would never let an animal suffer, whether it was like a cat or a dog before, but you look at, you know, your chickens and I look at them as pets and it's one of those things you can't let them suffer. And they just get to a stage in their life where, you have to do what I don't like to do. I don't like playing God. And, um, but I don't, that's Aaron's job. And he'll tell you that for some reason, it's just, it's not his favorite thing to do. He doesn't really care to do it either. Um, even though we know that's what's best for them. Um, so, you know, in these sprints that we do, it builds our character for tomorrow, right? So since then we have gotten baby chicks and we have raised them And it really helps us to appreciate, you know, appreciate and prepare for and, you know, know how to care for them really well so that we can avoid certain situations um, so that they don't get sick or or prevent. And sometimes you just can't help it. Um, So my comment to you is this today. You are running a marathon And in this marathon that you're on, I don't know if you're in a position where things are going really smoothly for you and you're not in the middle of running a sprint. But if you are in the middle of running a sprint and you're worn out or you feel like you're a fish out of water, you're doing the best that you can, but you're just not sure if it's enough, know that the sprint is going to end. Now, a sprint may be in a moment, it may be for a day, a week, a month, and I think for some of us, we have found ourselves in seasons of our life where we are running a sprint for a really long time, but when you go back and you'll look at it 10 years from now, you'll see it as a sprint. It was, it's just part of your marathon. So I hope that you will trust that no matter where you're at right now, in this moment, if you're on the, in the car, on the tractor, if you are running or walking and you are trying to get your mind off those sprints that you are in right now, I hope that you know that it's going to, like, hang on first, hang on and have hope that all of this is going to build your character and it's going to prepare you for 
who you're meant to be tomorrow and who you are meant to be in five years. Sometimes I think we can get caught up and we can get really down on ourselves and, you know, this is a horrible situation. And I think that's fine. I think it's fine to sit in the wave and say, this really stinks. I don't like it. Um, But when you find yourself ashore and you've already sat in the wave, you find yourself on the shore and you're ready to get at it. You're ready to get going, tackle it so that you can move on. And so just when you find yourself in that wave and you feel really stuck, know that one, everyone around you for the most part is going to know you're doing the best that you can in this part of your life and this sprint. And know that in tomorrow and the days ahead, all of these things are going to help in, in running this marathon of life. Friends, thank you so much for joining me today. I can't wait to see you next week. I'm looking forward to sharing more with you, and I hope that you have found this time well spent. Enjoy your week, friends. I'll see you next week.